Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We continue in our series on the book of James entitled Walk This Way as the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott teaches us on genuine wisdom. Just a quick reminder that you can get the other messages in this series on our website, which is ccgf.org sermons, on YouTube, and on the Christ Church app, which is available on Android and iOS devices. You can also catch up with Christchurch on the usual social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, by searching for the handle CCGF01. Now, here is Pastor Jared with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Good morning, church. Let me pray with us. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the fact that we can come in your house, sing your praises. Lord, because they're true. Lord, we do ask for the Spirit of the living God to fall afresh on us here today. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you're with us every step of the way as we walk through this life. You never said this life would be easy, but you did say that you'd be with us every step of the way. So for that, we're grateful. For that, we can sing your praises, Lord. Lord, I thank you for James, what James can teach us about life. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us as we look at this passage now. Father, I pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart, and that you impress upon us this message you want us to hear. And as James has already said, help us to be hearers of the word, or doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. As we leave this place, Lord, that we actually apply what we hear here today, Father, and that you move us mightily here in this place and beyond. And I ask all this in your name. Amen. Well, again, good morning. My name is Jared Adams, senior pastor here at Christ Church. Glad that you're with us as we go through this series, uh, Walk This Way. You know, this series uh, is something we've been going through the past few weeks, and if you haven't figured it out by now, it's kind of a tough series. It's a hard series to go through, because some of these passages hit us right in the face, and they are very convicting type passages. In fact, somebody once said that it's, James is about as subtle as a sledgehammer hitting the concrete. It's about right, because it's talking about how we're supposed to live out this life. A few months ago, we talked about uh, the life of Jesus, who he was, and that we should believe in him. Now we talk about how we live out this life. And I remember when, you know, anytime you do a book study, uh, and we do them from time to time here at the church, you come to various passages in the book, you go, boy, this is going to be a tough one. In fact, I remember uh, preparing this series back probably in February, and it came to this, uh, this one, this sermon, uh, Two Kinds of Wisdom, James 3, and I thought, man, that's going to be a tough one. But uh, I'll... I'll uh, I'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Well, I crossed that bridge this week. Because this is a tough passage about wisdom. Jamie just read it for us. You know, and one of the things I've been wrestling with all week is, I was wondering what the application of this passage. I was wondering, okay, are we supposed to apply the fact that when we ask the Lord for wisdom, he gives it? Are we supposed to apply the fact that we have a system where we can look at whether that wisdom is good wisdom or bad wisdom? Or is it that when we go out of here, we apply the wisdom that God gives us? And one of the things I realized last night was, yes, all of that. Because it really is a wonderful passage about wisdom. One of the things that I've come to know is that knowledge is much different than wisdom. Knowledge is much different than wisdom. You can know something. You can know a certain fact about something. But wisdom is something else. It's the application. Somebody once said that knowledge is the t- knowing that a tomato is actually a fruit. Wisdom is knowing that you don't put it in a fruit salad. <laughs> when you come into... Which I... I didn't know either one of those, by the way. So I would have done both. So 
shows how smart I am. Uh, when you come into my house, uh, you, one of the things you'll find out is um, when you're looking at my wife and I, you're going to pick out that she's the wise one in the household. I'm the one with the degrees, but she's the one with the wisdom. I have the knowledge, she's got the wisdom, okay? She's got far beyond wisdom than I will ever know. I, knowledge says when the kids were very little and they're crying to pick up the baby because they need attention. Wisdom says that baby's hungry or has a dirty diaper. As they get older now, knowledge is my daughter who will come down after we put her to bed saying her stomach hurts. Knowledge says, oh, you need medicine. Deb's wisdom is, no, you're just stalling. Go back to bed. How many of us have done that? Wisdom is something else. Wisdom is, is understanding information but applying it. You know, there was a Henry Ford was a great, uh, obviously he uh, helped uh, automaker and develop the Ford. And he, during his beginning times, he asked an electrical genius, Charles Steinmetz, true story, to build generators for his factory, for his cars. So one day, one of the generators ground to a halt. And the repairman could not figure out what was happening. And so Ford called Steinmetz, this genius, to tinker. So he came in, he tinkered with the machine for just a few minutes, and then threw the switch. The generators whirled to life. And then Henry Ford got a bill for $10,000. Now, mind you, this was many decades ago. So flabbergasted, Henry Ford, who was kind of known to be tight-fisted, inquired why the bill was so high. Steinman's reply was, for the knowledge of tinkering with the generator, $10. For the wisdom of knowing where to tinker, $9,990. Knowledge says one thing, wisdom says something else. You want to get more practical, knowledge says, as we look through the book of James, knowledge says James 1 talks about perseverance in trials. Wisdom knows how to actually apply that as we go out into the world. Knowledge says, hey, last week James talked about uh, the tongue. And Jamie did a wonderful sermon about how we tame the tongue, how it's a a two-edged sword, and how we should encourage or build each other up. Knowledge says, I know where that's located in James. Wisdom says how I apply it in everyday life. Wisdom says, wisdom knows how to apply it when someone's hurting or down or a family member or a friend when you encourage instead of discourage. Wisdom says, is this important? Is this going to build this person up or tear this person down? That's wisdom. I was at a uh, wedding yesterday. I was officiating a wedding up in uh, uh, New York. I just got back last night and I remember sitting at the table and uh, I... I was sitting next to the table next to a seminary student. I guess that's what you do. You put the pastor next to the seminary student, I, so I should assume. So I was talking to the seminary student. It was wonderful. He was talking about what, how much he's learning in school, in seminary. And one of the things that I know when you get to seminary is, yeah, you're going to learn all kinds of stuff, but what's the application of it? You can come out with all kinds of knowledge about a particular thing. You can know everything there is to know about the book of James or the book of John or Luke. You can know everything there is to know about hermeneutics or homiletics and Greek. and Hebrew. You can know all that stuff, but how do you apply it? It's a different story. Knowledge says, I know what the Lord says, that he's with me, that he'll never leave me, never forsake me. That's what knowledge is. Wisdom applies that when you're at the person's bedside when they're dying. Knowledge knows what it looks like to have a couple be married and what the, the steps are to get married. Wisdom knows, hey, we got to have counseling all the way up through that to deal with the stuff that married people deal with. That's wisdom. My encouragement as we look at this, as you look at your Bibles, as you study and you read through James along with us, it's not just knowledge. It's 
It's wisdom. And when you walk out of here, when you walk out of your community, my encouragement is, is when people look at you, do they go, man, that guy's got full of knowledge, or boy, that woman's full of wisdom. Full of wisdom. Because they apply everything that, that they learn. Wisdom is an is a interesting thing. Solomon was one of those guys that we know asked for wisdom. He, he was the guy that, I don't want to make light of this, but the Lord kind of said, make a wish, Solomon. Solomon, what do you want? Solomon didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for possessions. He didn't ask for a new kingdom. What did he ask for? He asked for wisdom. And it says in 1 Kings 5, the Lord gave wisdom to Solomon just as he promised. And he became greater than all the kings of the earth and riches and wisdom. And the earth was seeking the presence of Solomon to hear the wisdom to which God put in his heart. That's what I want. That's what I pray for every night. You know, you can pray for things. You can pray for various things in life. What I pray for is, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to know what I learn as you read in your word to be able to apply it to everyday life. Give me wisdom to be able to lead my family based on what you've taught me. Give me wisdom to lead the church based on what I know. How's your wisdom? You know, wisdom is an interesting thing because you can look at somebody and go, man, that person is really wise. What a great leader or person that is. And it's interesting that other people can look at them and go, they're a terrible person. They have known nothing about what they're doing. We see this all the time in politics, don't we? You know, we see people going, this person is terrific. He is the best person ever to lead this particular area of government or whatever. And then somebody else will go, that is the dumbest person I've ever met in my life. I mean, we see this all the time. Or you'll see countries, leaders, and, and, and maybe in, in the U.S. will say, hey, that person isn't leading that country very good. But the people in their country go, this, this person is great. You go, how, how is that possible? How can wisdom look two different ways? How can someone look wise to one person but look unwise to another? And that's exactly what James talks about. James talks about those two kinds of wisdom. You see, what James is saying is that there's going to be a battle in our hearts and minds. There is a battle. When we're going through life, when we have decisions to make, there's going to be a battle. There is a battle going on. And he lays out a series of tests by which a person can verify the genuineness of their faith. How do we go through trials? How do we go through perseverance? How do we control our tongue? How do we apply the scriptures? And now, how do we apply the wisdom that God gives us? That's how we walk this way. You know, wisdom isn't just asking God. It's what we do with it, right? It's what we do with what we know. That's why James 3, verse 13, is very powerful. It says, he who is wise and understanding among you, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Who is wise and understanding? Let them show it. That's the key verse in the passage we just read. If you want to be wise and understanding, show it off by your good life, by how you act. That's how you walk this way. It's not just knowledge. It's applying that knowledge in every day, every aspect of life. I can't tell you how important that last message that Pastor Jamie gave, so powerful about taming the tongue, how we apply that to everyday life. A knowledgeable person knows what it says in James. A wise person applies it. A wise person applies it. Actions speak louder than words. So the question is then is, okay, if there's two kinds of wisdom, there's an earthly wisdom, a bad wisdom, and a good, how do we know the difference? Well, James lays that out for us as well. False wisdom. False wisdom. You know, as we go through uh, the news, I'm sure in the culture you've seen it. What are we seeing? It's not just news anymore. It's what? Fake news, right? 
which I think is, I, 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 it's an oxymoron. How could it be fake and news at the same time? I really don't know. But it's fake news. We see it all the time. You, you turn on one station and there's, they're talking about one aspect of what's going on in our culture. And then you turn to another news station and it's a totally different aspect. You go, well, which one's right? You want to know which one's right? We look here at James. Because there's motivations and characteristics and results of false wisdom. Look at the motivation of false wisdom in verse 14. It says, if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition, do not boast about it or deny the truth. False wisdom says, listen, it's, it's all about yourself. It's all about how you want to live. It's bitter envy. It's selfish ambition. It's means of personal gratification, ambitions, things that you want to see accomplished. Then you deceive yourselves. You know, I run into a lot of people in life who ask those questions. Questions that I like to say are questions in a gray area. Those are, those are questions about life that the Bible doesn't really say. It doesn't really say what job we should take. It would be great if there was a, there was, there was a passage of or a scripture that says what job we should all take. Or who we should marry. Or should we leave our job? Should we move to another country? Should we move to another state? Should we take on this career? Should I stay with my wife? Should I leave my husband? Should I stay with my kids? Should I, what do I do with them? How, how am I supposed to uh, tell them when they're going through tough times? How do I avoid situations? Those are decisions in a gray area. How do we deal with those things? We run it through Scripture. I was meeting with somebody a while back who was thinking about leaving uh, his job here and taking on another job. And he was really wrestling with it because he was going to be interrupting his kids. And uh, he wasn't sure if it was a great move for him. And he wasn't sure. He was asking the Lord for wisdom. He just wasn't sure if it was the right way to go. And I always go back to the scripture. I say, hey, listen, is this thing going to make you envious? Is it, is it for selfish ambition and gain? Because he was asking, Jared, is this selfish? Should I be doing this? Is this selfish? I said, is it going to lead to selfishness? Are you doing it to boast yourself up? He said, no, absolutely not. I want to be where God's using my gifts more, better. And I said, well, that's exactly where you want to go. Because your flesh says, don't go. Your flesh will say, well, I'm going to do these things. Or I'm going to make this decision so I can have this kind of house, this kind of car. So I can say, look at my spouse. Look how beautiful they are. That's selfish ambition. Those are decisions that we make. Motivations of false wisdom. There's also characteristics of false wisdom. Look at verse 15. It says, they don't come down from heaven. They're earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It's earthly of the world. It's unspiritual. It's of the flesh. And it's demonic. It's of the devil. We ask members all the time, are you willing to fight bully against the world, the flesh, and the devil? It's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. You know, our bodies are, are, are the, the earth will always say to do something a certain way. The culture always wants us to point us to certain ways to do, thing, to do things. Make decisions based on what the culture would say. What will look, make you look good? What will make you feel good? What will put you up higher than anybody else? That's earthly wisdom. Unspiritual wisdom. It has no understanding of spiritual concepts. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit, but God considers them foolish. And they can't understand them and discern them through the Spirit. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, and then it's demonic. That's a tough word. You know, we, we sometimes don't like to talk about Satan. You know, when I grew up, the cartoons that I've seen, Satan was that kind of cartoon figure that was the little red devil with the pitchfork, and he was real small. And I think sometimes as we grow up, we think Satan's just that one little small force in our life. He is not. He is not. He is a 
powerful force that wants to pull you away from the Lord. That's what his desire is. Your enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan's the one that deceives. He's the one that binds and persuades and blinds and rules. He wants you to make decisions based on your flesh, not on what God wants you to make. That's, his, that's, that's the whole point of it, because it pulls you away from him. Satan incited David. Satan asked to sift Simon like wheat. The devil, the devil persuaded Judas Iscariot to turn against Jesus. The woman Satan had kept bound for 18 years in Luke 13. He blinded the minds of those who don't believe. As a result, they can't see the light. He rules the, wor- he rules the world. His spirit has power over everyone who doesn't obey God. That's what his job is. He wants us to make those decisions. He wants us to follow our own way, what will make us feel good, to steal and to kill and destroy. It's a battle going on. So if you're thinking that the decision you're making is simple, it's not. There's a battle going on. And there is a false wisdom out there. And the results, as we see in verse 16, is this. For where you have even selfish ambition, there you find what? Disorder. Some of us look at our own lives and go... Yeah, I wouldn't think it's pretty orderly. If people really knew what I did behind closed doors, they wouldn't say that's very orderly. If they knew how I treated my family or my wife or my husband or my children, they wouldn't think it's very orderly. They wouldn't think it was very orderly by the anxiety and fears that I have, the attitudes and actions that I have. Why? Because we oftentimes will follow what we think is right. And it leads to disorder and evil practice. I think of disorder and evil practice. I think of some dictators that we know uh, in our world today that are leading a certain way. And maybe people in their country think that they're a great leader, but look at the results. It's disorder. It's evil. Why? Because they have selfish ambition. They have selfish gain. They are deceiving themselves. And everything that the decisions they're making are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And that's what happens. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we know if it's, if we know it's false wisdom, how do we know it's true wisdom now? Well, the motivation of true wisdom is right here. Verse 17 says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It's pure. It's not tainted. When we ask the Lord for wisdom, he gives it to us in a pure way. It's pure. It's not tainted. First Peter says, do not conform to the evil desires you have. You have lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. If the Lord is holy, then the wisdom that he gives is holy. It's perfect. So that's where we see the motivation. Now we see the characteristics. You want, us, you want a filter to run all the decisions you make? Here you go. Characteristics of a true wisdom. Verse 17, verse, uh, uh, last part of 17, it's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. It's peaceable. It's, it's possible, as far as it depends on you, it says in Romans, to live at peace with everyone. It's considerate. Let nothing be done in strife or vain, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. It's submissive. It's full of mercy. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. It's full of good fruits. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good fruits. When I was talking to that gentleman and he was telling me, no, I want to go to a place where I know God's going to use me mightily. I said, boy, that sounds like good fruit right there. That sounds like pretty good wisdom to me. Why in the world would the devil want you to go somewhere so that you could produce bad fruit? To produce uh, fruit to, to build people up. I said, you got to go you got to go. 
when we look at our spouses, the people we think we're going to marry, we think, I ask questions, do you, will they lead you into these things? Are they peace-loving? Are they considerate? Are they submissive? Are they full of mercy? Do they produce good fruit? Are they impartial? Are they sincere? Yes. Well, then maybe that's pure wisdom right there. Are they going to lead you to be selfish and bitter and have envy? Yes. Well, then maybe that's false wisdom. And the things that you say, are they going to build people up? Are they peaceable, considerate, full of mercy, full of good fruits, impartial and sincere? Yes, that's good wisdom. Those are the characteristics. Those are the filters we apply through. And then we see the results, the results of this, verse 18. It says, the peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. You know, I love that idea about peace. Couples, if you're listening, listen up. That didn't make sense. I'll say it again. Couples, listen up. Because if you're already listening, you're, you're already listening. Listen, couples, I'm a firm believer that God has called man and woman to be come together in one flesh, united in one flesh. And so for that reason, I say to couples all the time, when they're making decisions, that you and your husband or your wife, you need to have both have a peace about it. And that's how you know God leads us. Because we're one flesh, we're united together, we're one bond and so I tell couples this all the time. Some of you will come to me and say, I've got a question. I'm not really sure uh, the decision I should make. I say, well, what's your spouse think? And it's not because I don't, I'm trying to deflect. I'm trying to let them know that if God's calling us together to be one man, one woman, uh, one flesh, then God's going to lead us in the same direction. I know that a few years back, I've told the story here a couple times, but a number of years back before I came on staff here at Christ Church, is my wife and I were looking at a job in New Jersey at a church. And they had called us, they would interviewed us, and it all looked good. And we were kind of wrestling with it. I know I was wrestling it with more than Deb was wrestling with it. I didn't have a piece about it. I was hoping that Deb would either get on board with me or I'd get on board with her, but I knew that God was going to align us together. And so we went out to this place in New Jersey, and uh, we walked in. We did not have the job yet. We did not say yes. In, in their commons, I'm not kidding you, they had blown up a poster-sized picture of Deb, myself, and our children and put it right on the commons. I thought that was a little strange. Uh, we would never do that here, by the way. Um, it's short of constructing a statue out there. It's not going to happen. But we walked in, we saw this thing on the wall, we thought, oh man, this is going to be really hard. Because these people assume that we've already taken the job, and I, have, I don't have a piece about it. I, Deb was starting to wrestle with it too, so I said, we both said, okay, we're going to go to bed tonight, and if we wake up and we both don't have a piece about it, then we'll know that God's brought us together and that's not the right decision. And so we prayed about it, we wrestled all night, neither one of us slept. And we woke up the next morning, and it was one of those things where we were frustrated. We'd go, man, God didn't give us the peace that we wanted. And then we went, oh, yeah. Maybe not the answer we're looking for, but he gave us the peace that we needed. And so we said no, and we turned around and came back here to Pittsburgh. And I tell you what, there was talk about, talk about peace as we left, knowing that God gave us direction, gave us wisdom, and led us through that. You know, I know many of you are dealing with questions in life, questions that are tough to answer. And you're, you're asking those questions like we did. God, give us wisdom. I, I just, I'm not really sure the direction we should go. One of the great things about Scripture, as I already prayed and said this morning, is that in James 1.5, if we go back to James 1, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God, 
who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask. And the Lord gives it. That's what's great. It doesn't say, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who potentially will give you wisdom if everything lines up. Or if you ask God, he gives sometimes, depending on how you're doing. No. It says, you should ask God who gives what? Generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. My thing for you, my encouragement for you is, a lot of times we're asking for wisdom, but we're trying ourselves to find the answer within our own selves, or what we think is right, and we're not really listening to God for the answer. We haven't slowed down enough to say, okay, listen, yes, I really want to hear what God's telling me. Because guess what? He's going to give us wisdom. Wisdom may come in forms of other people coming and encouraging us. Wisdom may be that peace that I talked to you about like Deb and I, but he does provide it, doesn't he? And that's what's wonderful. And when he provides it, it's pure, and it's got great characteristics, and there's a wonderful, wonderful result. We're going to Prepare our hearts for our last song here as we sing a great song about who, how great our, our God really is. And let me just encourage you. Let me encourage you. You know, as we look at this passage, I know some of you are really waiting on the wisdom from God. You've been crying out and you feel like you're all alone because you feel like God's not answering you. Know that when we ask him for wisdom, he gives it to us and it's pure. He doesn't lead us down the wrong path. He doesn't lead us astray. He's not going to lead us into something that's, that's uh, unspiritual or demonic or disorderly. He's a God of order, and he's going to lead us that way. That's what his scripture says. The question is, is, do you believe that? Do you believe that when you leave this place, knowing that, you know what? I'm going through some stuff in life. I've asked God for wisdom. Yeah, he's going to give it. To believe and not to doubt that's how we get through life. That's how we feel like we're not alone. That's how we, we, we realize he sees the bigger picture than us. That, that he's right on time. He's never late. He's never early. But he's there to work out the good and glory and to achieve his purpose in our lives. He, he wants us to lean on him. He does. He wants us to come to him in our times of decisions. And he wants to give us wisdom. And he wants us to not only take what we hear, but apply it to our lives. Are you slowing down enough to hear him. A young man once lost his job and was growing somewhat desperate about his plight and wanted to see an old preacher that he knew. As he poured out his heart to this preacher, he angrily declared, I begged and begged God to give me wisdom, to say something to to me that would help me. Preacher, why doesn't God answer me? I keep asking, I keep looking for all kinds of answers. The old preacher who's, who's sitting across the room spoke a reply so quiet that the young man was unable to make it out. So the young man stepped across the room. He said, what did you say? He said, the preacher repeated himself again in a soft tone. The young man got angry, moved closer and closer until he was leaning on the preacher's chair. He said, sorry, I still am not hearing you. And with their heads bent together, the old preacher spoke up once more. He said, listen, God sometimes whispers. So you need to be quiet. Hear the knowledge he's given you. And then you'll be able to apply the wisdom that you've been given. My question to you is, sometimes we ask God and 
We're not quiet enough to hear the answer. He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to provide a way. And how we know the way is right is we run it through Scripture, just like James talks about. Is it true? Is it false? And we run it through, and then we apply it as we go out. That's my hope and prayer is that people look at people at Christ Church and go, hey, they're not just knowledgeable about Scripture. They're really wise in what they're doing. That's my hope and prayer for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word and how you speak to us, how you never let us go, that there's wisdom out there, Lord, and that you want to help us through these things, these tough things in life. And Lord, we're constantly at battle. We know that, Lord. There's many people in here who are really struggling with a spiritual battle of some decisions they need to make. Lord, I pray that you help them run, run these things through Scripture, understand what you're telling them is pure and true and the direction they should go in life. And Lord, I do ask that you help us apply everything that we're learning. Whether we're learning it here on Sunday mornings or in our small groups or in our Christian ed, that's not just knowledge, that it's wisdom, it's applied knowledge in everyday life. Help us to be bold and courageous to do so, Lord. We thank you for being our Lord. We thank you for being with us and hearing us when we call out to you in our times of need. Oh, you're so great, Lord. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen.